Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Cone of Shame Veterinary Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Andy Rourke. I am here today with my good buddy, Dr. Steve Noonan. Dr. Noonan is a hard-driving, high-energy, get-stuff-done guy. I mean, he was the kind of guy who owned multiple vet practices about the time he was 27. And... Then he burned out, and he burned out in a big way. And since then, he has become one of the biggest experts on positive psychology in the veterinary uh, industry that there is. Dr. Noonan lectures all over the world. He is an executive coach and a life coach and uh, just a genuinely interesting and uh, an entertaining individual. We talk today about high stress, high anxiety rescue strategies. We're talking about how do, what do you do when you are totally stressed out in that medicine and you gotta you gotta get your feet back under you you gotta you know you've gotta you gotta sort this out um because you because you're just burning it at both ends and so we talk about that today i have a feeling that some of you out there are in this boat some of you are working real hard and you're not sure you can keep it up or you're feeling a lot of stress and a lot of pressure and we just want to check in real fast and get you some strategies that are going to help you feel a bit better if you get into that position so without further ado Let's get into this episode. This is your show. We're glad you're here. We want to help you in your veterinary career. Welcome to the Cone of Shame with Dr. Andy Rourke. Welcome. Welcome to the Cone of Shame podcast. Dr. Steve Noonan, how are you, man? Great, Andy. It's, uh, it's, it's good to be with you again. It's good to see you, my friend. We um we have been friends now for probably coming up on a decade, don't you think? Yeah, the first time I met you was uh, you were keynote speaker in Atlantic Canada, and I was your oh, host. Oh yeah, I was your host. It, it was great. That was ten that, years yes. ago for sure. That's amazing. Yeah. So uh, when I met you. Um, you are, so let me tell people who don't, who don't know you, you are one of the most energetic people that I know. And that, <laughs> that says a lot coming from me because <laughs> I tend to, I don't tend to stop very much. Uh, but you are the energizer bunny. You are a wealth of, um, of, of just of positivity and energy. Uh, you're very charismatic. You, um, you work your butt off and you have a keen interest in mental health and wellness. And you were, you were talking about mental health and wellness, especially with an emphasis on positive psychology, uh, before it was cool to talk about mental health and wellness with an emphasis on positive psychology. Uh, how did you, how did you get in? to that how did you start to build that interest and that expertise well i read that thing about the suicide rate which everybody knows but that was knowledge uh, 10 years ago it horrified me and then mm-hmm. i had an opportunity to uh to uh speak on a a cruise a veterinary cruise so it was a management okay. cruise and, and i chose that topic and then um our friend marty becker heard me and he basically put me on the CBC and the NAVC stage. And that was back in 2013, 2014, 2015. So I was talking about it then. So I started studying. And the reason I studied it as well is because I was having my own issues with stress and anxiety. Yeah, you've been really open about that. And since since the very beginning, since, since I first met you, uh, you have always been very open and honest uh, about sort of struggling with anxiety and stress. And that positive psychology has been a tool 
that you personally have found really useful. Uh, you want to talk a little bit about that and kind of how you made the decision to sort of be open and talk about these struggles and things in your career and, and share your journey? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I had studied meditation back in university, so I was aware of that. And uh, I was having a lot of stress and anxiety before I had my major breakdown or whatever. But my mm-hmm. wife suggested that I study meditation again. So I did start studying meditation. And when you start doing research, I found this huge body of evidence-based information on the science of happiness and positive psychology. And I'll just give one very quick example. Humor makes people think better. So if you have a set of doctors that have to solve a medical problem, and this is all evidence-based, and you show them a Laurel and Hardy clip, half of them, They solve the problem better than the guys who don't see the clip. And so humor, gratitude, kindness, all these things are evidence-based to make you feel better and perform better. The the fact that you hold up Laurel and Hardy as the example of of comedy is is endearing. (laughs) It's like, oh, you you Canadians, I like. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Uh, It's a lot about, um, it's a lot about tension, isn't it? You know, and I just think that in, in, we see it in medicine, but we live, we live in a high stress, high tension environment. And that's, that's one of the things is a comedy is release. The whole thing is, is it breaks tension. And so if you have a group of people who are under a lot of pressure, if you can break tension and cause them to relax for a moment and laugh, it opens up possibilities for them to problem solve and to process that they don't otherwise have it's kind of like being strapped to the engine uh and you're you're flying along if somebody if you can just slow down and get loose for a moment then you can you can think and you can steer but when you're really just in it it, it's it's hard to do that and so yeah i I think it makes a ton of sense that that humor uh opens up those doors you know there's um another thing i learned in positive psychology um university of pennsylvania there are these things that we have called character strengths or signature strengths. So you can Google it through the uh, University of Pennsylvania and they they have a tool so you can do these tests and there's 25 strengths. So why is that important? Well, you find out what your top five or 10 are and you try to live those more often. And I will guarantee you, Andy, that humor would be one of your top five strengths. It's one of mine. So, you know, I'm the funniest person I've ever met in my head right so that when i when i when i do funny things i feel great it doesn't even matter but it's living your strengths another thing for me is kindness so when i do something for another person it really gives me a lift maybe more than the average person because it's one of my top five character strengths so identifying and using your your strengths right we we tend to enjoy the things that we're good at and we tend to be good at the things we enjoy. And um, so it sounds like sort of what you're saying is leaning into the things that you're naturally good at and doing them tends to be sort of gratifying and rewarding. Is that correct? That is correct. And what what, what, I, what a person would find, um, if they Google VIA, it, it, that's an acronym, I forget what it stands for, but VIA, characterstrengths.org, I think, they will find out. But what a person will find is that now I understand why I'm happy at certain times. So what that does, Andy, it begs the question, why aren't we doing the things that make us feel good more often? That's really, yeah, that's really useful. I'm, I've, you've convinced me. I'm, I'm, I'm going to look that up. Um, yeah, that, that totally makes sense. It's like, why aren't, 
When am I happy? I, I think a lot of us, if I ask you that question, most of us would struggle to answer it. It's go, I don't, I don't know. And there's just times that I am and times that I'm not. And uh, yeah, anything to sort of quantify that so that we can do more of that, that makes that makes a ton of sense. You know, I, I, I talk to vet students a lot and they'll ask sort of career, general career advice. And my, my big piece of general career advice that I give to people is figure out what you enjoy doing and figure out how to do more of that and figure out what you don't enjoy doing and figure out how to do less of that. And uh, that's super simple, but I have found that to be so important. Couldn't agree more. We, we are singing from the same choir song sheet. Let's, um, let's get into this a little bit more. Um, you know, one of the things that, that you talk about that a lot of other people don't talk about are rescue strategies for stress and anxiety. And when I say rescue strategies, what I mean is when we get to the place that we are, uh, are already experiencing severe anxiety, like we are, we are burned out. We're not burning out. We have burned out and we are living in this dark, crappy place. Uh, I, a lot of wellness strategies are about avoiding getting to that place. You're one of the very few people who will boldly talk about, um, once you're there, let's talk about rescue strategies of, of getting back out. And so can you go ahead and, and speak to that a little bit and just let's let's just start there. Uh, how yeah. is that different from, you know, the standard wellness practices that we hear about, you know, exercise and and eat right and, and make sure you get plenty of sleep? Like, OK, we're in the hole. Uh, wh- how is that different from just uh, from just general preventative care for ourselves? Well, you know, this is um, uh, the Steve Noonan theory that I've adapted okay. from. There's a psychologist called. Abraham Maslow, M-A-S-L-O-W. And for those of us who ever took introductory psychology in university, he was mentioned. But he he has these hierarchies of needs. So before that sounds too boring, it starts with the very basic necessities of life, like oxygen, and then water, and then food, and then shelter. And it goes right up to, you know, fulfilling your needs and having soulmates and so on. Anyway, Andy, I thought to myself that when we are in stress, we are basically depriving ourselves of the fundamental elements of life. We hold our breath. We get dehydrated because we're working so hard. We don't have our water bottles. We get hypoglycemic. We don't eat. And I think a lot of times we can just rescue ourselves by slowing down, Mm -hmm. doing some mindful breaths, taking a sip from the old water bottle throwing a couple of raisins in your mouth. I'm call, I call them energy pills. And I also think about the placebo effect. You know, the placebo effect is anywhere from 40 to 70% effective. It's, it's effective on average, at least 50% of the time. So if you actually believe you're rescuing yourself, Andy, yeah, then you're rescuing yourself. Yeah. Right? So, yeah. So I got these young vets that I mentor. I do a lot of uh, mentoring online too. And, and they talk about before going into an exam and they're totally scared of Mrs. Jones because she's a monster. Yeah. Right. And I'm going, I know okay. her. Yeah. I know her. Yeah. I know her. We all do, but I'm friends with her now. I, I learned my way around Mrs. Jones. That's another topic, but 10 deep breaths. Well, and yeah, I'm going to go to this breath thing and, and a little bit of detail because it's really important. Can I do that? Sure. Yeah. Let's, let's talk about breathing. So everybody who's listening, we have a brain and behind our forehead in the front of our brain, that's our frontal cortex. Now off to the side on the left 
is our somatosensory cortex. That's where we feel stuff. So Andy, can you do this with me? We're gonna, you and me are gonna do three deep breaths and we're gonna actually try to feel the sensation of air as it okay. shoots into our nostrils. So just three times, but loud enough everybody can hear. Ready? <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> Do you feel it? Can you feel the coolness? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I just, I'm, I'm struggling to breathe in, uh, in an auditorily pleasing way yeah. for people, and like that's unfailing. So what happens? What happens? <laughs> that, that was very good, Doctor Roy. Thank you. Very yeah, I, good. I have, uh, I have lots of skills. I am so proud of you. And so, <laughs> if you can do that and feel that coolness going into your air, uh, in, into your nostrils. That is being registered in your lateral somatosensory cortex. Now, here's the magic. That's a long way from your frontal cortex where you worry. So essentially, you are, and this is the Steve Noonan phrase, changing your mind. Gotcha. You are going to change your mind from anxiety to somatosensory perception. Just for a few seconds. Because all the research shows that when you do that, you start building neural pathways. But yeah. but for the moment of truth with Mrs. Jones, I'm only asking you to do it ten times, right? Yeah. Well, but a lot and a lot of it is is breaking out of that mental chamber that we get into, right? 100%. Like That's you exactly get into the anxiety doing. cycle, and you and you're just stuck there, and you're 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 catastrophizing, and you're and you're just going, oh, this is awful, and I've got this thing, and then oh my god, I got this other appointment coming up after Mrs. Jones, and I don't know what that's going to be, and it's a consultation, and and what if, you know, what if this what if this deteriorates, and blah 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 blah. Well, now you're just stuck in this in this you know swamp, yeah, and um. Anything that can get you out of that is, I, I think, is really, really helpful. So I, I, I like this a lot. I think a lot of times, just trying to shift your mindset and be like, I'm, I'm putting this anxiety aside and I'm focusing on something different or focusing on what I'm doing right now. Uh, that, that can be the escape mechanism. And you know, there's, there's a lot of research that, I, that I'm really interested in right now about um, rumination. Right? Yeah. Rumination is when you just sit with something, and it's like a hamster wheel. You know, and, and you've gone past the point of I'm productively dissecting this so I can understand it. A lot of times we start with that and we're like, I really need to think about Mrs. Jones and make sure that I'm ready and prepared and I have a good plan of what I'm going to do. And that's fine and that's great. But where we get into trouble is we just sit there and we ruminate on this and we're not changing anything. We're not figuring anything new out. We're just sitting and kind of reliving either the last experience we had with her, which was negative, or we're we're reliving a fantasy experience, which hasn't even happened. And we're like arguing with Mrs. Jones in our mind. And there's it's not productive. It's not beneficial. And just getting out of that headspace and into just anything different is 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 valuable. It is valuable because, um, you know, what you focus on is what grows. Right. And that, yeah. hamster, that hamster turns into Godzilla. Yeah. And oh, because yeah, you're feeding it. Yeah. Yeah, you're, you're feeding, feeding it. it. Yeah. You're totally feeding it. And, um, the, you know, the, this these rescue strategies that I do, you know, they start with, uh, like, a, you know, breathing to try to change your mind okay. and have something to drink, keep snacks. Like, I think people should have snacks in their pocket, in their lab coat, in a Ziploc. Like, you know, the, the soul fuel of your neurons is glucose 
Yeah. So if you eat chips, it's got to get converted. But if you eat a raisin or a grape or something that's glucose, you know, you can tell your brain, there you go. I'm, I'm energizing my brain right now. And lever- leveraging that placebo is great too. Yeah. It doesn't even have to really work. It doesn't if you have believe to that you're eating and it's going to make you feel better, then it, yeah, then it's probably going to make you feel better. So I, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a huge, I'm a huge fan of that. I, um, food is a big trigger for me. I, when I get low blood glucose levels, I feel crappy. You know, the, and it's, it's the world just looks different and it's amazing how predictable, uh, sort of my cycles in that can be like, I generally feel crappy at the end of the day, uh, which is honestly why we started looking into the four eyes, save lives, the suicide stuff, you know, the, the, as we think about, about vet suicide, it's always been my idea that at the end of the day, everybody else goes home and the vet is stuck there at the clinic by themselves and they're feeling really low. And that's when we need to be worried about, about people ending their lives. And I, and I say that just because it's my, it's categorically my experience that at the end of the day, I am hungry and tired and I haven't had dinner yet. You know what I mean? And that is when I feel crappy. That's when I feel burned out. And I'm like, oh, this is an insurmountable hill for me to get over to go home. And it's a lot of it is just glucose management. And so when I've 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 pushed back and start having I push my lunch back later in my day and uh, and make sure that I that I have calories with me that are good calories. And it's just again, it, it's a, it's a small thing, but God, it makes a big difference. You know, it, it, it so does, uh, like Andy, you've known me a long time. Uh, you probably don't know this, but I've, I've lost uh, 60 pounds. I did not know that. No, so I'm lean, and uh, it, it's hard to lose that kind of weight when you're uh, a senior citizen like me, you know. But I, but, <laughs> but I manage it. Like, I eat really, really well, but I, I do the, like, six meals a day kind of thing. So I manage my glucose really well now. Used to do black coffee all day. And wonder why my nerves were shot at the end of the day. You yeah. know, I I was holding my breath. I wasn't taking enough good fluid and I wasn't eating. And then life would just seem so horrible some days. You know, I did an interview one time with this uh, psychologist. I was doing work for Clinician's Brief and they, and they had asked me to do an interview. And so I found this stress psychologist and I asked him and he had, you know, about his sort of top tips for managing stress. And that is the one that he went with. He said, you got to get sleep, right? You, you, you got to sleep. But then he was like, people don't realize how much of an impact caffeine has on you. I mean, the half-life is like eight hours. That doesn't mean it's gone in eight hours. That means it's half gone in eight yeah. hours. You know what I mean? And he was like, you know, people who wrestle with anxiety, he's like, we got to get these people off coffee. And of course I was like, no, I don't think it's going to happen uh, for me. But he did. So here's what he said that I actually took into my own life is I don't do caffeine after lunch. You know, like Good that's, that's it. I am pretty much got it down to, I have my, my two cups of coffee in the morning and I really don't drink caffeine. I am, I am a Southern guy. I will drink some, I will drink some iced tea, uh, at, at lunch sometimes. But, but even that I, I've kind of, I've kind of cut down, but it's just, I do, I sleep better and I feel better when I'm not just steadily mindlessly sipping caffeine all day. Yeah. Yeah. I mean that, that, I mean, that's spot on. Correct. 
Guys, I want to take a moment uh, here just to let you know about some stuff that's going on over at the Uncharted Veterinary Community. Guys, if you're not familiar with Uncharted, you uh, you got to get into it. UnchartedVet.com is the home of the Uncharted Community. This is a um, this is a super positive, get stuff done, supportive, energetic, vibrant online community for veterinary leaders. If you're a practice owner, practice manager, a medical director, a head technician, this is the place for you. We've also, if you want to try it out, we've got some workshops that are coming up and they're open to the public. They are available to people besides Uncharted members. The first one is on, uh, it starts May 19th with my friend, Stephanie Goss. She is teaching effective onboarding. The first session is the paperwork that is on May 19th from uh, 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern, 5 to 7 p.m. Pacific. Uh, she has an office hour on May 23rd. And then The People is uh, 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern time on May 26th. So the paperwork on May 19th, May 26th is The People. That is uh, $199 for non-members and Uncharted members can attend for free. Also, Dr. Lindsay Gallagher, who is a good friend of mine, a ball of energy, a joy to be around. She is doing her new grad mentorship workshop it's called New Grad Mentorship 2.0. This is for anyone who is hiring a new graduate from vet school and wants to set him or her up for success. This is being held May 30th. It's from 1 to 3 p.m. Eastern Time. Registration is $99. It is also free to Uncharted members. I'm going to put links down in the show note. Guys, I would love to see you there. You said something earlier that triggered something for me, and it was the idea that when we're doing these things that we're being kind to ourselves, you know, to hold that thought in our heart that we're worthy of taking care of ourselves so that when you suck on that water bottle or drink that orange juice or whatever, you go, you know, I love myself. I deserve this. I'm giving my neurons glucose because they deserve it. And I deserve yeah. it. And thinking that you deserve it. Because yeah. us vets are so hard on ourselves. We're our worst critics. We we think we're imposters and everything else. You deserve to be hydrated and oxygenated and uh, uh, glucogenated or whatever. <laughs> you deserve that. And you're right. Like, and, and I think I think you I think you say it correctly. It's like we we really are brutally hard on ourselves. And when when you lay it out that way, it sounds so ridiculous. Like, well, of course I deserve to stay hydrated and of course i can you know i can sort of take care of myself but then when we're actually in the clinic in the exam rooms and there's a line of people waiting to see us we sacrifice ourselves every day we you know we we overlook our own maintenance just because we have to we have to get this done and steve i, I don't know how much age has to do with this i feel like i could take a lot more punishment when i was in my 20s than i can now that yeah. i'm in my 40s you know, and, and I just I think maybe that's just part of getting older. I think the mindset has to shift. And this is, you know, I think this is more more important with COVID now than ever before. It's like you're in this for the long haul and you should act that way. You know, you're running a marathon in your every day and also in your career. And so I, I, I always tell people like, look, we need to stop focusing on maximizing the number of pets we can see in the next hour or maximizing the number of pets we can see today and focus on maximizing the number of pets we can see in our career. And if we burn ourselves out in five years and quit, then we have really limited the number of pets we're going to see as opposed to being kind to ourselves and taking care of ourselves and planning on a 30 year career 
where I'm not going to be, uh, you know, a mental mess. Andy, I would say that physically, as we age, like I'm gonna be honest about it, right? You know, I'm, uh, I'm. This is year 39, going on 40 in practice for me, so I'm 62, mm-hmm. and I got not bad, not a bad body as far as uh, you know, some strength left, but nothing like I was in my 20s. But at the same time, I'm starting to become like Yoda. My mind is actually getting stronger all the time as I learn to hone it and as I study all this psychology stuff and as I meditate and get mindful. So if you learn to take care of yourself when you're young, like I wish the things that you and I are talking about today, I wish somebody had talked to me about them when I was 25. Do you, do you think you would have heard them when you were 25? Like you and I are here and we're talking about this and we're talking about the mindfulness and it's sort of these perspectives that we have. And like we we paid for these perspectives with, you know, with with painful experiences. I I, I, want, I do wonder about that. Like if you take these and, and we talk to our our newest colleagues who are uh, 26, 28 years old coming out of that school, do, do you think that they can grasp the need for this without having to have gone through, you know, without having to get old and realize that you can't handle stress the way that you used to, or your body starts to ache in a way it didn't when you were 20, if you carry tightness in your in your neck and your back all the time? You know, that's an excellent question, and I think it could be argued either way. I actually think they are listening, and I'll, I'll give you my reasons why. The, the first reason is that I mentor a lot of young veterinarians mm-hmm. online now. And uh, the gender uh, dynamic has completely changed from when I graduated. And I'm married to a veterinarian. I've been with a, a female veterinarian for 40 years. And I think it's safe to say that women may be more in touch with their feelings than men. I don't think that's a, a slander. No, thing I, to, I don't to think say. that's a big stretch. I, I think there's probably a lot. I think there's probably a lot of support for that idea out there. Yeah. So there's that. There's the various face groups I'm in. Um, there's all the people that I dialogue back and forth with, uh, young veterinarians, m- men and women, but probably 80% women. And they totally are open to this information. Yeah. Just today, I messaged back a young man, who, a veterinarian, who bemoaned the fact that veterinarians were killing themselves. Mm-hmm. And I, essentially, I think he was saying, God, I wish there was more tools out there. No, that's I, I'm glad to hear you say that. And and you you are right. It's a it's a different time as well from from when you and I were younger when we were when we were starting out. I, I think I think as a profession, let's, let's pause and pat ourselves on the back here for a second. I think that we have made good progress towards destigmatizing burnout and mental wellness in our profession. I'm not saying we're we're there, and I think we still have a long way to go. But compared to how it used to be when veterinarians were tough as nails, you know, um, you know, uh, just just get it done. You know, don't don't take help from anybody. I, I think we've come a long way. I think our new generation of veterinarians is much more enlightened in uh, in that regard than uh, than previous generations have been. And so I, I, I do feel good with, with a lot of the progress that we've made. Yeah, you know, me too. You know, we used to be. I always say we're we're like linebackers and dinosaurs, you know. We just forge ahead and eat our dead. Mm-hmm. But there's a price for that. Yeah, and I certainly paid that price. Yeah, 
no, I, I, I completely agree. I guess, I guess when I say that and I say, you know, I'm, I'm happy with the progress, you know, there's always a tendency to compare where we are to the ideal and say, well, we're not there. And that is true. I still think it's okay to, while you maintain that perspective, also say, well, let's look at where we were and look at where we are now as far as the conversations that we're having and the resources that are out there. And I go, okay, I'm proud of our people. And there's a lot of people who are working really hard. And I do think that, that we are, I think we're heading in the right way. And for those people who are out making those resources and, and working with young doctors and those young doctors who are working on themselves, I, I think that you're doing a great job. And I think that there's good reason to feel optimistic about the future. Yeah, I feel exactly the same way. Um, uh, by choice now, I'm a, you know, I'm a consultant, I'm a part-time locum, and I'm a flower farmer. And so I, a couple days a week, I'm at work and I absolutely love all these young veterinarians I work mm-hmm. with, they they kind of treat me like Pappy Smurf and we help each other. And it's awesome. It's awesome. You know, they respect the, my wisdom, I guess. And I respect uh, the fact that they can Google something for me three times as fast as I can. And, and, and but, but they want me to look at x-rays and stuff. Yeah, the profession is in good hands, yeah. Andy. There's good veterinarians out there, really good. I ones. do agree with that, Steve. You got any uh, final words of wisdom, parting thoughts, last minute uh, pieces of advice that you want to share? Yeah, well, um, Andy, I, I've really enjoyed our time together today. If um, if I could just do a real quick uh, recap yeah. on what we talked about, is that all right? Yeah, definitely. So, folks, check out that VIA character strength thing. You may be surprised. You may actually learn things about yourself you didn't know, or you're you're certainly going to get reminded about the things you want to do more often. So my little rescue strategies for going into a stressful situation or when you feel stress is go back to the basics of life. Don't hold your breath. Instead, take 10 deep breaths and feel them through your nostrils. Take a sip of uh, nutritious fluid, be it water or fruit juice. And then because it'll give you glucose and feed your neurons. And it's the same thing with a little bit of food. Those are the three things. And you know what? I learned this from my father, Andy. He's he's a really wise guy. And he he was nice to everybody. And I noticed that he would actively try to be kind to every person he met. And so I've taken that strategy myself. And how can you do it going into an exam room? The way I do it is I go, okay, I am going to like this person. I am going to find something I like about them and they're going to see that I'm actively trying to like them. They, they won't be able to articulate it, but they'll feel it. And you know what, Andy? I get along so well with clients. I may compliment them on their sneakers. I may tell them what a beautiful haircut their dog has. I, I may, but it's going to be all positive. Everything that comes out of my mouth, like as I was telling you before the interview, I try to stay on channel P positive and, and switch off from ch- channel N. And what I find happens is those people who are neutral or in a decent mood will respond amazingly. Those people in a horrible m- mood, things don't escalate. Yeah. yeah. So be kind. You know, and, and the point I want to make with you saying this, um, this is not you being fake. You know, you're, you're not making up no. things to say. This is about you actually thinking to yourself about things that are positive about this person, right? So uh, in psychology, and I love this, this point, it's called deep acting. It's like, I'm not trying to convince you that I like you. 
I'm convincing myself that I like you. And that is going to drive our interaction at a deep level, like an unconscious level even. So I, I just, I love that you do that, but I, I completely agree. I, I just deciding that you like this person, even if they're challenging, even if they're difficult, just pick out the good stuff. And, and if you just internalize that, it's going to make all this go better. Steve Noonan, where can people find you online? Instagram would be the easiest one. I'm on Facebook as well. Um, I'm not maintaining an active website, but I am Dr. Steve Mindful Coach on Instagram. Dr. Steve Mindful Coach. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you, my friend. Really appreciate your time. Andy, it was great. I really enjoyed our time together. Thanks a lot. And that's it, guys. That is it. That is our episode. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you got something out of it. I hope it was useful. I always enjoy talking to Steve. He uh, he always makes me think. Gang, uh, if you did enjoy it, please share it with your friends. Uh, this is one of those episodes that is going to be super helpful for people who need to hear it. And so, um, yeah, maybe help me get the word out. Share it with your friends. Uh, if you enjoy these types of episodes, always let me know. Uh, I'd love to, to hear from you. The email address is... Uh, podcast at drandyrourke.com that's podcast at drandyrourke.com you can also leave us an honest review on itunes that always means the world uh i definitely pay attention to that stuff and it um yeah it gets you heard so anyway gang that's it take care be well i'll talk to you later on bye